First John this morning. First John. We're, we're at the end of chapter 3, actually the last part of chapter 3. And uh, last week we talked about the issue of guilt. John this morning is going to flip the tables on us. And last, last week he said, look, if your heart condemns you, if you feel guilty, threw out a bunch of stuff. This week he's going to flip the tables. He's going to say, look, what happens if your heart doesn't condemn you? Then let's talk about what that does for you. And he's going to kind of show you the difference between a heart that is condemning versus a heart that is not condemning. And so, um, and again, it it goes along with what we're talking about when we talk about praying for for different things. So uh, 1 John chapter 3, here's what he says. All right, Uh, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. That word confidence is huge. Some of your versions will say boldness. All right, and we'll talk about it in a second. And we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and we do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. So, uh, John now throws out this idea. Let's talk about what happens when your heart doesn't condemn you. Let's talk about what happens when you, as as a believer... Try to please God, try to be obedient to God, and your heart, as best as you know it, is, is, is right before God. Let's talk about that kind of person. And so, and again, remember, the idea is to give assurance, the idea is so that you can know you're a believer and those kinds of things. So here's what he says. He says, uh, dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, that word condemn, um, it, it, just like we talked about last week, it, it, it's that idea of guilt, that idea of um, fear, that idea, all those things that are tied to it. He says, okay, if, you're, if that's not your heart, then he said, then you have confidence before God. You have boldness. Literally, it's the idea of a child approaching a father. That's the idea behind it. So think about it for a minute. How do most kids approach dad? You know, um, it depends on what you're approaching him for. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, how, how do most kids, uh, if it's a healthy relationship, is it, it, do they approach him in fear? No. What? Well, you just said it, Kenny, Daddy. And, and the world is okay. Why? Because of Daddy, you know? And there's no problem running up to Dad. That's what John's saying. He's saying, when you can live for God, when you can try to please God, when you try to be obedient to God, and you can start to live that way, here's what happens. You then have this confidence and boldness that you can go to God and look at what he says and ask what? Anything. Anything. That you have this this idea that, you know what? God, this is important to me. Think about it for a minute. Those of you that have kids... And there's something that's really, 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 really important to them. And they come to you. And they want to do, they want to do two things. Number one, they want to listen to whatever you say. So if you say yes or you say no, they're okay with it. And they want to know that you're pleased with them. That, that's what he's saying. I, I think of, okay, my, my experience is this. Teenage girls coming to dad to get something. Right? 
Because I was a youth pastor long enough, I watched this over the years. There were two types of girls. One type of girl, and I actually have kids I'm actually thinking of that are in my head right now that I'm thinking of. One kind of kid, this kid did everything dad said. If dad said be home at 10, this was a kid that was home at 9.30. Um, this is a kid who would do anything in the world to make dad happy. They had that kind of relationship. The worst thing, in fact, I remember we were talking to this kid once, and, and, and I said, uh, what's the worst thing your parents could ever do to you? What's the worst way they could punish you? And I'll never forget because it was emblazoned in my head. This girl looked at me and said, if my dad looks at me and is disappointed, that's it. I would rather have him spank me. I'd rather have him ground me. I would rather have him take away my car. I would rather have him do anything than look at me with that look. And I thought, now that's a parent who's awesome. Because that's the kind of relationship. So that kind of kid, here's how that kind of kid would approach that. That, that kind of kid would approach dad and go, hey, dad, look, you know, there's this like thing coming up and, and, and I would like to go and, you know, whatever you want me to do, whatever you and mom want me to do, that's okay. But, you know, if, it, if it's all right, yeah, I kind of like to go. You know what that kid got growing up? Whatever they wanted. Exactly right. Because they had that relationship with dad. They had to, so they weren't going to ask anything that they knew would displease dad. They weren't going to ask anything that they knew that was going to make it that, that was going to that was going to be disobedient to what dad has set as boundaries. That's exactly what John said. That's the kind of relationship you want with God. So when that kid went to dad and said, "Dad, this is what I want," that kid got what they wanted. Why? Because everything they wanted would be in line with the boundaries and the and the and the way to please dad. So everything was okay versus the other type of kid who played the line. The line was here. Dad said be home at 10. They were home at like 10.02. And it, they would cut the line really, really close. If Dad said, you know, um, again, you know, the, I, I even think of the way the kids would dress. This, the, the first kid that I'm talking about, I... I don't think the conversation in ever came down to, you're going to walk out of the house wearing that? That girl would have never thought of doing that. Never even thought of it. Why? Because she knew that dad didn't approve of the kind of dress. Her goal was to make sure she was pleasing her dad all the time. Versus the other kind of girls always play on the edge. And then here's what would happen. I would watch them. Usually I saw it at a ball game. It'd be a ball game, and a bunch of kids wanted to go out later, and this girl would come up and she'd go, Daddy, you know I love you, Daddy. You know you're the best daddy in the whole world. Daddy, you're so awesome. And she would butter him up. Why? In order to get something. And that kind of girl then would ultimately, and then at some point you knew it was coming. I'd just sit back and watch and wait for it. At some point she's going to say, can I go out with my friends? Yeah. Well, you know, I need some money, Dad. Can I have $20? See, Dad was nothing more basically than an ATM, who you talk to nicely before you ask for money. I mean, that's basically the relationship that it was. She used Dad. And there was a whole difference. What John's saying is he's talking about that first kind of relationship. John's talking about that first kind of relationship that, look, 
When you and I want to please our Heavenly Father, when we're trying to be obedient, when we're trying to do the things that honor Him, and we come to Him and we ask anything, guess what? That's what it says. We receive anything from Him we ask. Because he, we know, he knows that whatever we're asking is in his, is accordance with His will and accordance with our best, the best for us. That's what, he, that's what John's saying. And you know what? And here's the thing. I saw that girl's dad, that first girl, I saw her dad say no from time to time. And you know what? It didn't affect her relationship at all. She didn't try, oh, Dad, you don't love me. Didn't, didn't play those games at all. Why? Because she knew if Dad said no, that that was the way that it was going to be and that that was what was best for her, too, so she was okay with it. Okay? Um, that gal happens to be a mom now. Um, it's funny because I, I, I have observed some of the same things in her kids and I've observed it, and it's like, this is like a mirror, man. But anyway, going on. Here's what he says. And this is the command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded. John now links these together. They ask Christ, what's the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus say? Let me phrase it this way. What is the one greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? You'll love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, and you will love your, and the second is like unto you, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. They asked Christ what the greatest commandment was. We think he gave an answer to two. He gave one answer. Love God and love other people. And the whole book of 1 John has been about linking these two together. And here he links them together. He says, believe on Jesus Christ and love one another. And he links them together. Now this is interesting. This is the first time John's ever used the word believe. Up to this point in the book, he has not used the word believe. And here he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or believe, believe on, uh, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, to love one another as he commanded us. Um, those who, who obey his commands live in him and he in them. Talk about that idea of abiding that he's talked about. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. John saying, look, you will know inside based on how you're living your life before God and before other people. Now, here's the thing, and, and follow with me on this, and then I'll kind of draw some conclusion to it. Walk me through the process of putting your faith and trust in Christ, okay? So let's say somebody comes to you and say, okay, I want to be a Christian. Okay, so let's walk through the process. What's the first thing they have to do? Oh, but even before repent. We're not there yet. Acknowledge. Acknowledge the fact that I'm a sinner, that Christ is the Savior, Okay? I, I have to acknowledge that first. I have to know that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior. Okay? What's the next thing? Believe. I have to believe. I have to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. I have to acknowledge the fact that I need a Savior. I have to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. Then what do I do? Pat? Confess. Yeah. Now, now I confess that I'm a sinner that Christ is a Savior, and I ask God to come into my heart and to save me. I repent from my sin. I say, look, I, I don't want my sin. I want Christ as my Savior. And then I would add another element, which I think is, is assumed but often is not in some circle. And then I determine from that point on to live for God and not myself. Oh, can you follow this out? 
A, B, C, D. Acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is the way. Confess my sins before God and repent. And determine to live for him. Okay? Now, when you and I talk about salvation, that's what we think about, right? When we talk about belief, that's what we think about. We think of salvation as a one-time act in which we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it is. Don't, I'm not mistaken that. It is a one-time deal. It is not a works thing. It is, it is by faith. It is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Boom. Done. It's a one-time deal. But I want to challenge you to think of salvation not just as a one-time thing, but as a way of life for the believer. In saying this, is not the way that I should live my life every day the same way that I put my faith and trust in Christ? By every day acknowledging what God says. God says I need to treat my wife better. So what do I do? I believe what God says. I confess that I have not treated my wife the way that I should treat my wife. And I determine that I'm going to treat my wife differently. Make sense? I acknowledge that the way I'm talking to my boss or my employer or that person at work is wrong. I believe that what Jesus says is that I'm to bless those who persecute me. I'm to pray for those who are despitefully using me. I confess that my attitude has been wrong. I repent. I make it right. And I'm determined to treat that person differently from here on out with God's help. Salvation, not just as an act, which it is, but also as a way of living my life. Because you see, when I start to live my life that way and believe and love, Christ abides in me, and I in him. And I, that gives me confidence of my salvation. You know why? Because I got news for you. In my own ability and in my own power, it is impossible to love that person. Nobody else at work with us. Nobody else in the community does. It's impossible to live that love that person. If I'm going to do it, it is only going to be because Christ in me. If you haven't figured it out yet like that, yet there are those people out there. And you will run into them in life. And people will hurt you, people will use you, people will do things to you, and you're going to have to determine how you respond. In Christ, I can respond differently. In my human nature, there's not a bone in my body that wants to treat them decently. But in Christ, I can. And that, believe it or not, being able to do that actually gives me assurance of my salvation. That God's Spirit lives in me. Because I know that's the only way I could love that person. It is the only way. And that's what John's saying. He's saying, look, when you can walk with God, and when you can fellowship with God, it will give you confidence and boldness in the way you pray and confidence and boldness in your assurance in Christ as far as your salvation goes. And that's why sometimes we struggle with, you know what? And I have people, they'll say this to me. And they'll go, you know what? You don't, you don't get it. They hurt me so bad I can never forgive them. I can never love them. Technically, you're exactly right. You can't. But with God's Spirit and God's help and God's power, you can. Because Christ is in you. And that's what John's saying. So, so my challenge to you, first of all, is this idea of 
making sure that you're obedient and that your goal in life is to please God. It's not a checklist to get answered prayer. See, we like to think that way in Christianity. If I do A and B, then God has to do C. That's not the way it is. It's the idea of, I'm going to do A and B regardless of what happens. C is the bonus. It's icing on the cake. I don't, I don't obey God and please God in order for God to answer my prayer. Any more than, than the girl that I'm talking about honored and pleased her dad in order to get stuff. Because she didn't always get her way. But she always got the best way. She didn't do that in order to get. It's just who she was. And so God and so her dad honored that relationship. And by the way, I mean her dad could trust her. Her dad could give her freedom that other kids didn't get. Why? Because they had that kind of relationship. So, you know, my challenge to you is this. This week, be obedient. Honor God with your life. You have that boldness to go to him and, to, and ask him for what you want. And then secondly, you have that assurance. Because the only way for some of those things to happen is with Christ being in you because you can't do it on your own. So my prayer ends this week this way. Is that John reminds us that a life of fellowship is a life of confidence and assurance. It's produced when we obey and please God on a daily basis. It's the result of a life that is genuinely abiding in Christ. So this week, obey Him, love Him, please Him. You'd be amazed what that does in your own heart. Let's pray. Lord, guide and direct us this morning. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for what you're doing here in lives, for what you're doing in this ministry. And Lord, we ask that you would guide, that you would direct, that you would help us as we seek to honor you this this week. Uh, Lord, there's going to be situations where it's tough to respond in a right way. Lord, we're going to need your help. We're going to need that assurance, Lord, that you're at work. So God, I ask that you would do that. And Father, for each of us, Lord, may people be able to see Christ in us. So ultimately, Lord, they could come to know you and have the relationship we do. We thank you for this time. These things we ask in your name. Amen.